one of the great privileges I have uh, in my role. Uh, you know, Bethany Church is part of our wider denomination, a family of churches. It's called the Mennonite Brethren. And I get to be involved with uh, the church planting arm of that. Church planting is just a term that means starting new churches in new places. And uh, we've been involved, I've been involved with the project in, outside of Salt Lake in a neighboring county called Tula County uh, since, uh, well, for a couple of years now and uh, helping to supervise or advise uh, a new plant there that's called Lakeview Church. And as Bethany Church, we have, we're financial contributors to the, to the ministry of Lakeview Church. It's been a pretty exciting start. They started about a year and a half ago, and heading into COVID, attendance was upper 200s, getting close to 300 in attendance, and uh, building is full in two services, and people are coming to Christ, 16 baptisms. It's been a really fun uh, thing to see uh, God at work, and Lakeview Church is in the process of launching a second campus. Um, you always love it when your kids have kids, right? <laughs> so uh, the way they work there is they they work kind of um, they're all related but semi autonomous as well. And so it's just a great privilege this morning um, to have a guest with us. So um, Jeff, why don't you come on up and uh, I'll finish explaining how this works. So. Uh, Lakeview Church is, is uh, in fact, Janice, you took a team there summer before last, summer before last, but as they were preparing to launch, and so um, this is great. So Jeff and his wife Heather uh, Hubrick are going to be the campus pastors for the newest Lakeview Church called Grantsville Campus, and they've been here with us this weekend. We, uh, we're just so encouraged about what God's doing, and you're briefly going to tell us that you haven't always been a pastor. Nope. This is a new thing for you. <laughs> and uh, they have made a major decision to to leave a, leave a pretty um, stable career to, uh, to serve the Lord in pastoral ministry. And uh, this church will be launching sometime in the new year. And we're so excited to be a part of it. And we're excited to have you here. Uh, Jeff and Heather will be sharing in the seminar this today. Uh, at the lunch seminar today. If you didn't register but you'd like to attend, just talk to me afterwards and I'll, I should be able to get you in. All right. So, okay. Jeff, I'm going to pray for you and then we'll uh, we'll get hand it over to you. Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege that it is to gather this morning. And Lord, we recognize that we're in this uh, just crazy time. We're all kind of scratching our heads, wondering what do we what do we think about all that's that's happening around us, and how do we how do we extend love to our neighbors, and, and what do we do with the tension and the the conflict that's all around us in Jesus, we just declare today that as your sons and your daughters, we will not live in fear. We will not live in panic. Uh, we will live in love and we will uh, continue to worship you no matter what goes on around us. Uh, you alone are worthy, as we just sang. So we praise you for that. Father, I want to thank you for our time in the Word today. As Jeff shares with us, God, I just pray your anointing over him and uh, just the direction leading of the Holy Spirit uh, so that... Um, what you have to say to us, we will hear. Love and We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Thanks, Brian. So as, as Brian said, yes, uh, uh, full-time pastoral ministry was not always what the plan was. Uh, I came to faith 17 years ago. My wife, uh, right on my heels, we, we came to know the Lord Jesus. And I uh, remember when we got baptized, uh, Pastor Paul, who baptized us, said, Jeff, have you... Uh, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I said, yes. And he said, is it your intention to live all the days of your life for him? And I said, yes. I don't think 
that I read the fine print that that was going to be uh, include being a full-time pastor at that time. I uh, have been working in the aviation industry for the last 20 years. I've been an airline captain for the last 15. Um, so those are not parallel, uh, pr- precisely parallel careers. But um, you know what? Just happy to serve the Lord and happy to uh, be able to share his love and his grace and his hope with our friends and our neighbors and our family, uh, especially in a time such as this. So uh, Jeff Hubrick's my name. We have two kids, 17 and 14, so we are in the thrilling part of our life where we get to raise teenagers. That's super exciting. You can pray for us. Um, hi, kids. You're going to check in later online. Love you. Um, so I've gotten to know some of you uh, over this weekend. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Uh, but for those of you that don't know me, as you get to know me or if you get to know me, one of the very first things that you're going to learn about me is that I love motorcycles. Um, it's just a, a thing that happened when I was little. I think it, it's my dad's fault. He was an immigrant to the United States and he loved motorcycles. I think he saw the movie Easy Rider maybe. And he was also mechanically inclined. So in the seventies, he started building choppers. And I remember in the early eighties, uh, riding just wrapped around the gas tank on, on a crazy chopper that he had with the big, tall eight hanger handlebars and the front wheel that seemed like it was in another time zone out there and and whatever it was as a child man i just fell in love with it and it's never stopped so i love motorcycles still i have uh, a few of them um and uh last august (laughs) heather's laughing it's more than a few Uh, (laughs) last august i was visiting my parents they live about 50 miles away from us and in a different county and i was on a motorcycle and i was riding home so it's a pretty long run on the freeway and as i exited the freeway I, i came into my town i came to the first red light and stopped there at the red light, uh, waiting for the light to go green, I suddenly had that feeling, that clear knowledge that I had just been impacted. I'd been rear-ended by a car. And it, it, time really slows down, super slow motion in that moment. And, I mean, it had to just be a millisecond, but I remember thinking as my fingertips escaped the, the uh, hand grips, I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to hit the windshield of this car behind me. And that was my thought. And then suddenly I just, instead of hitting the car behind me, I just kind of came to a stop. And uh, I was actually sitting on the back seat of my motorcycle, hard stop against the backrest where my wife usually sits. And I'm short, so my little, my little legs are kind of dangling there. And I thought, I'm going to tip over. And I never quite tipped over. And I'm just trying to make sense of all this. And I kind of scamper back down. And that's when I realized that the car had hit me so directly that the back of my motorcycle was actually pinched in and enveloped in the bumper of the car so the bike was upright and and man he's try, trying to make sense of all this I'm like what just happened so in any case we we pull the vehicles apart and we and we get off to the side of the road and i realized uh at that time that uh, two things number one uh man the lord was really with me if that vehicle that had hit me had struck me at just a tiniest different angle one degree, two degrees, just something minute, my bike would have ended up on its side and I could have ended up underneath that car. I thought, man, what a slim circumstance between being injured and not being injured. I think the Lord was really with me today. That was the first realization I had. The second realization I had was that I am now a huge fan of the uh, public service announcements and and commercials that tell you to look out for motorcycles, (laughs) right? So every state around the country had one of these uh, PSA campaigns. In Utah, it was start seeing motorcycles. That was the buzzword because people say they get in a motorcycle accident or hit a motorcycle and they say, I didn't see him. 
So the state of Utah said, well, start seeing them. That was on all the billboards. But as I looked, I don't know what the slogan was in California, but I'm sure you had one. It was a nationwide push. And I found another PSA for uh, start seeing motorcycles and cyclists. And this one was from the United Kingdom. It was a one-minute commercial, and it focused on a, on a scientific fact called inattention blindness. That's the, the, the underlying theme of it. But this, in this one-minute commercial, it, it opens up, and you see two different teams. You see a basketball team wearing all white, white jerseys, white shorts, white shoes. And you see another basketball team wearing all black, black jerseys, black shorts, black shoes. And each team has a basketball. And then at the beginning of the commercial, it says, this is an attention test. Count the number of passes that the white team makes. And it, then they kind of just burst into all this activity, and the teams are intermixing and swirling around, and you pay really close attention, and you count the times that the team in white passes the basketball. At the end, it says the answer is 13. And that's the moment when you have a little pride, and you go, yes, that is the number that I came up with. Man, I am so good at seeing stuff. <laughs> right? And right after that, it says, but... Did you see the moonwalking bear? And you go, what? Moonwalking bear. And then the commercial, it's just a 15-second clip, and it, it backs up, and it plays again. And now your attention is looking for a moonwalking bear. And sure enough, there's a six-foot-tall guy in a bear costume during this basketball thing that moonwalks right into the middle, goes like this, and moonwalks right back off. And the numbers say that 75% of the people that watch that scene will miss the moonwalking bear. I did. I didn't see it. And it, it, it really blew my mind. And it draws a question. You know, where... Oh, sorry. Punchline. I'll get there. The, the punchline of the whole thing was this. It said, it's easy to miss what we're not looking for. It's easy to miss what we're not looking for. And it really made me think, we live in a time when there's a lot of activity going on around us. There's a lot of distraction going on around us. There's a lot of emotional highs and lows, and there's political unrest, and there's on and on and on. And if you're like me, you may have asked at times, where is God in this? You know, it's a question that all of us ask, everyone asks. And it's usually when things are tough, when relationships are struggling, jobs are in jeopardy, or when the world seems to be crashing down around us, um, you know, like now. When our plans fail or when something that we thought was sure turns out not to be sure, then it's a time that we might ask, where is God in this? So is God here? Is he working? Is he aware of us? Yes. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, we have this beautiful promise. It says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now, this is a promise from God to Joshua through Moses as they're about to take possession of uh, the promised land against some pretty incredible looking odds. And the promise is repeated just two verses later. In verse 8, we read, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord, your per your, the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Well, that's great, right? It's a beautiful promise, but it's a promise that was made and kept to some guys thousands of years ago. So me being a natural skeptic, I say, what does that have to do with me? And uh, the answer is everything. Uh, see, the, the author of the book of Hebrews brings that promise forward and makes it clear that that promise absolutely applies for us, too. That God will go before us, that he is operating in and around us. 
In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, we read, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. To sum it up, it means don't get too distracted by world stuff. Okay? But be content with where you're at and what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And it finishes with this. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, friends, for that matter, the question is, what can mere mortality do to us? You know, this is a saying. What this is saying is that if you've trusted Jesus with your life and with your eternity, there's really nothing that the world can either give you or take away from you. You are now completely secure in him. Your life is in Jesus' hands both now and forever. See, if you're a Jesus follower today, you've essentially been given a winning hand, a can't-lose card, a master key, so to speak, to life here on earth. So let's face it, okay, here's, here's the part of this message that's just some hard reality. Every one of us was diagnosed with a terminal condition on the day we were born. And that terminal condition is called mortal life. It's going to come to an end. Right? So, if we're believers in Jesus, if we, have, if we have laid our lives in his hands and trusted him with our life now and our eternity, we don't have to live in fear anymore. We don't have to live in worry. We don't have to be under the belief that things are, are happening to us and we're just being blown with the wind and the storms of life are taking us wherever. Uh, exactly the contrary. Jesus is with us and he's making straight paths before us and he, and he walks along with us. We get to live like this. If the world eliminates us, we get to go home and be loved by the creator forever and ever and ever. And until the world eliminates us, and it will one way or the other, right? A short time or a long time. Until then, we get to be a light and a friend and a beacon of hope for all the people around us. We get to represent Jesus for all the people around us. Now, this is a Bible truth that we tend to under-recognize when things get busy and crazy in life. It, it's something that we tend to miss, just like the guy in the, in the bear costume in the middle of this chaotic scene. But this is real freedom. This means that we get to live free, free from trying to justify ourselves, free from trying to hide ourselves and our shortcomings, free from trying to fulfill ourselves with things that can't fulfill us. And more than that, we're free to actually fumble along the way. In fact, we're going to. We're going we're gonna to fumble it up. And we're free to do that in Jesus. We're free to live by him and for him and through him and with him all the days of our lives. Now, sometimes when we're trying to see God in our lives and we don't, it's because of inattention blindness, right? We're, we're being blinded by all the other things going on so we don't see him. But other times, we're just looking in the wrong places. And I think that that's a, a truth as well. And if you're keeping notes today, here's your first note. Jesus treats the causes in our lives and not necessarily the symptoms in our life. The fact is we're all symptom-oriented people. I, I think all of us are. It's symptoms that make us go to the doctor. It's symptoms that make us take our car to the mechanic. Right? Hey, my foot hurts. I go to the doctor. Uh, a lazy doctor might say, well, here's a pain pill. Get lost. Uh, but a, a good doctor, a diligent doctor would say, well, let's take a look at that. And he might find out, hey, you have a strained ligament or a, a little bro bone that's broken there. Let's treat the cause. That the cause is the reason for your pain. Or the same thing with a mechanic. I go to the mechanic and say, hey, my car's making a funny noise. A, a lazy mechanic might say, well, here's some earplugs. There you go. Your car's fixed. Right? But a good mechanic's going to dig deeper into that issue and 
perhaps find out, hey, man, you need to have your break job, uh, break job done. So most time in our lives, I think we treat symptoms and we get used to the idea that our symptoms are the problem. And we expect doctors and family members and friends and even God to treat our symptoms. But I don't believe that God always sees it that way. He sees, on the other hand, that we live in a fallen and rebellious world, that there is separation from God and he loves us. I think he sees that the root cause is rebelliousness and separation. And so in every circumstance, his his goal, his intention and where he's working always is to see people reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. So if we look for God in places where people are being reconciled to him through the gospel, we will always, always see him working. And Jesus told us this about his purpose in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's a mission statement, right? So we're always going to see him working there. Now, if you always want to be in the midst of God moving and doing, then you can be involved in uh, an outreach ministry of some sort. You can do that here at Bethany Church. You can do it in the late, uh, greater local community, or you can do that in the world. There's uh, tons of great places to be involved. But we'll always find God working in those places, and we'll always find him using us in those as instruments in those places to the extent that we're willing as for us personally, when we ask God to intervene in our symptoms, sometimes we get disappointed because we can't see him working. And if this is the case for you today, I want to challenge you, and it is a challenge, but I want to challenge you to look for Jesus working on the causes in our life and ask Jesus to work on the causes in our life. But don't get me wrong, this takes courage, and, and it's easy to complain about our symptoms. You know, it's easy to say, well, hey... These things are happening to me, but it's not so easy to say these things might be happening because of something that I have to address, right? That's a little bit of a, a different spot. And we're going to come back to those. But causes, when we take ownership of causes in our lives, sometimes uh, it's hard. And if the, cause, the reason why is because if the cause of something in my life is, say, sin, well, then I might have to repent. And I, that's... You know, not necessarily the funnest thing. And if the cause of something in my life is anger, I may have to be humbled. And if the cause of something in my life, uh, maybe I have to forgive. Maybe I have to ask for forgiveness. Maybe I have to love my enemy. Maybe I have to turn the other cheek. These are all things that are challenging for us. They, the thing about all those things is they require us to grow. They require us to grow in a, in a trusting relationship with Jesus. And that's note number two for you today is that Jesus is always calling us to grow deeper into a trust relationship with him. I'll try to illustrate it to you this way. Imagine, you can see some rooftops over here. Imagine that you see a young child, uh, maybe a kid who's just at that age where they're learning to walk, still a little wobbly, just kind of figuring out how to put their feet underneath them, right? Maybe we look across the way and on the edge of one of those roofs, we see a young child just waddling along on the roof. Now, if you saw this from across the way, you'd likely go, oh, my goodness, that kid is in a lot of danger. I need to do something. Is there anyone else doing something? You kind of survey the land and say, no. All right, well, what happens next? As a responsible adult, you're going to run right over there with your ladder, put that ladder up against the side of the house, climb to the top, and start calling to this kid, right? Hey, hey, buddy, come on, come to me, come to me, come, 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 come on, trust me, trust me, trust me, right? Something similar. And the kid might be looking at you going, I don't know who you are. You're a stranger to me, but you keep calling and keep calling. And let's just say uh, the child eventually trusts you and you have them in your arms. Next thing you do is shimmy down that ladder. And you're thinking, whoo, heart's going like crazy. 
blood pressure's through the roof. You set the kid down and you're thinking, okay, we are safe. And just as you set him down, you realize, my goodness, this kid has got a giant Bowie knife in his hand and a propane torch in the other hand and a can of gasoline in his back pocket, book of matches, straight razor, on and on and on and on. Slingshot. Man, this kid has a lot of stuff that could hurt him. So what's the next process? The next process is to, all right, bud, I'm going to need you to trust me with the propane torch. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. Trust me with that knife. Trust me with that slingshot. We're going to call that person, that child, back into a trust relationship. And you know what? It's exactly the same way it is in our relationship with Jesus. At first, he's a stranger to us, calling us into his arms to trust him. And when we do, we're saved. Hooray. Check the box. We're done. Not quite. The rest of our lives and every day thereafter, he is calling us deeper and deeper and deeper into a trust relationship with him where he wants us to trust him with our other stuff. He says, trust me with that relationship issue. Trust me with that anger. Trust me with that embarrassment. Trust me with that shame. Jeff, trust me with that guilt. Trust me with that old reputation of yours. That's our process. That's our, that's our growing process with Jesus all the days of our lives. So the next question is, okay, well, what does he do with our burdens once we hand them over? Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. My friends, he bears our burdens. The troubles, the trials, the unknowns of this world are not meant to be carried by us. Rather, they're meant to be laid down at the cross each and every day in a continuing act of faith. Lord, I trust you with my soul, and I also trust you with blank. It's hard sometimes to be an intentional and continuous believer, but that's what we're being called to do. It's hard sometimes to believe each day that the person and work of Jesus is sufficient for today. We all struggle with unbelief. I like how this author explains it. Um, Jeff Vanderstelt in his book, Gospel Fluency, says, I am an unbeliever. Not every moment, of course, but I have those moments, and so do you. I'm certain of it. We all struggle with unbelief in God because the message of who he is and what he has done for us can sound unbelievable at times. We all slip in and out of confidence that what he has done for us in Jesus is sufficient for today. It's very possible that even though you're familiar with Jesus, you have yet to believe in him for yourself, for your life, or... Maybe you have come to faith in Jesus, but it hasn't really changed what you do daily and how you engage in the everyday stuff of life. Now, my friends, the, the challenge and reward for me and you today is to trust Jesus with the troubles of today. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching this to you. I'm just opening up and sharing this with you. This is my struggle every day, too. I'm right in the middle of it to say, Jesus, I have trusted where I shouldn't have. I've trusted myself and others with the circumstances in life instead of you. And that misplaced trust has caused me fear, stress, anger, frustration, hopelessness, and despair. Forgive me, Lord. Today, I trust you. I choose to trust you in my marriage. I choose to trust you in my strained relationships. I trust you with my anger, my fear, my pride. I trust you with my past and my present and my future. Lord, I trust you with my pandemics and my politics. I don't want any of it. You take it. You bear the burden, and I'm just going to live for you. 
That's the challenge and the reward to stop carrying all that stuff. So we've talked about where we can always see God working if we look in the right places, right? And we've talked about taking ownership of the causes that may be happening in our life where God wants to work, but and maybe where we're not trusting him, but we haven't talked about this glaring truth, and I want to do it real quick, and I promised I'd come back to it. And it's point number three. Not all suffering is our fault. In fact, lots of it isn't. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, Jesus teaches us an essential truth about this fact. He says, uh, we read, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I'll pause right there for just a second. There was a a belief in this time that if someone was born with an ailment, um, that it was either, or if they had an infliction of some sort, that it was either their sins that caused it or a previous generation's sins that had caused it. On the flip side of that coin, if someone uh, was affluent and wealthy and things were going great in their life, it was assumed that that was because of their righteousness. And Jesus dispels both of those in verse 3. Jesus says, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, but this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. My friends, sometimes the challenges and the troubles that we're experiencing and growing through in our lives are so the power of God can be seen to us and to others. Sometimes it's a gift, a witness to us and to others. A few years ago, I met a man named Rob. Pastor Rob is how I knew him. But his story, uh, before he was Pastor Rob, read a little differently. Uh, Rob, when he was a young man, got into a lot of trouble. Uh, Troubled youth, just lots of things going on in his life, and he ended up into gangs and and drugs and all all those things. And uh, Rob, as a young man, before his 18th birthday, he ended up having to serve the state some time for attempting to stab a man in anger. And uh, while he was serving his time, someone taught him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the path of his life changed really, really dramatically. Uh, Rob finished up his uh, service to the state, and then he went to Bible college. And he earned his degree in family counseling. He met his wife at college. He started a beautiful family. And he served as a youth pastor for years. And now, today, he and his wife work as Christian counselors for severely troubled youth, and they do so very successfully. Now, being around Pastor Rob was an infectious experience. He was so energetic, incredibly energetic, as he shares his past and his present with everyone that he meets. And he does this so that everyone he meets can see the miracle of Jesus in his life and the miracle of Jesus in their own lives. My friends, we have an incredible opportunity. We have a gift and an honor to be able to represent Jesus every day of our lives and in our circumstances. Rob, uh, for lack of any better term, was an ambassador for Jesus. And being around him, like I said, was just infectious. 17 years ago, I gave my life to the Lord, but being around Rob makes me want to give my life to the Lord again and again and again and again and again and three and four times a minute. It was just so exciting to hear his story. And there's an awesome promise for all of us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It's, this is the Apostle Paul writing to encourage the church in Philippi, a church that's under stress and distress. Okay? Uh, he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but as I survey the world and the environment and the, uh, the things around me and look at the news channel, I could use some peace. I could go for some peace that surpasses all understanding. Anyone else? Yeah. Well, this verse says that when we thank God for all he has done, that that's where we find some of that peace. Now, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and I'll leave you with this. A tool and a challenge. Uh, the thankful-only prayer challenge. That My family, as a family, we try to do this at least once a year. We take a, a few days, maybe two or three days, if you're so inclined, up to a week maybe. And, and the challenge is this. Every time you go to prayer, pray like you always do with one little exception. I want to challenge you for a, whatever time you determine, don't ask for a single thing. Nothing. No matter what's going on, don't ask. But instead, only give thanks. Now, this can be really hard because there can be some serious things going on that you really need to ask for. Perhaps you don't have shelter. Well, then thank God for when you did. Perhaps you're hungry. Thank God for your last meal and thank him and thank him and thank him. And I'll make you two quick promises that will happen if you take me up on this challenge. Number one, you're going to have some weird times of awkward silence. Lord, I have kind of run out of things to say, and I know I have more things to be thankful for. I just can't think of them right now. And so there's this weird time sometimes in prayer where it's just real quiet. And I want to tell you, don't be afraid of those moments. That silence, when you're in thankful-only prayer time with Jesus, is the sound of him picking weeds out of your life, picking some thorn bushes out. So go ahead and embrace those times. The second promise I'll make you is this. Just like we read in the scripture, when we thank him and thank him and thank him, we will see him. We'll see him at work. You will see him at work in your life and in the lives of the people around you and in places that you didn't see him before because your attention will be turned to him. Just like the moonwalking bear, you'll see God right in the middle of your life and right in the middle of your circumstance saying, I am right here and you will have peace. I'm going to leave you with that today. It has been a blessing to be with you. Thank you for letting me be here. Father God, thank you so much for your sovereignty that you have us and our circumstances well in hand. Thank you for our country, for our liberty to serve you and to serve others. Thank you for your perfect sacrifice for us so that we can be your children. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you this week. In Christ's name, amen.